John chapter 15, I'm reading from verse 18 to 25. And the subject that I will consider this morning is the world will hate you. The world will hate you. Verse 18 of John chapter 15, and I'll read up to verse 25. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they shall do to you on account of my name, because they did not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, whoever hates me, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. This is the word of the Lord. Before I pray, uh, I want you to mark in your calendar on the 14th of April, it's Thursday evening, will be our Easter gathering. Uh, at Easter, Easter Sunday is 17th. So it's our custom, the Thursday before the Friday, uh, we'll gather here to sing hymns, to share the word of God, and to share the Holy Communion, uh, just to commemorate the institution of the Lord's table and to remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on Sunday the 17th will be our Easter Sunday service. It will be a single service. Uh, as we prepare our heart for that, uh, please just invite people, mark your calendar, Thursday, 14th of April will be a meeting. And for the women's meeting, today we are finishing our consideration on women's covering, uh, uh, the issue of head, uh, head covering uh, for women. We are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 2 to 16. So please, uh, I encourage all the women to stay back and their husbands too, if they can hang around and sit in and listen to our discussion, that will be fine. Don't be afraid, nobody will die, okay? Nobody will die, no, no. just simple, simple thing. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. Speak to me, speak to me and through me to your people and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you at this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please return to your seat.
Again, greetings to all of you and for those who are joining online. Do we have online members today? I'm sure Wilson is there. Okay. Uh, all those who are online today, uh, uh, and I want to thank you for coming out. Yesterday, you, you exceeded our, our, our plan. A lot of you came out to evangelize yesterday, and the Lord came through us yesterday to the people, this neighborhood called Galadimawa, until the next one, get yourself ready, it's going to be more, uh, it should be more bigger than that. <clears throat> the world will hate you. I'm not sure that's what you want to hear on a Sunday morning, that this world will hate you. Uh, but I we are faithful to the scripture. We'll be going through the book of John and we are here and we are here. Hopefully, <coughs> we'll soon <coughs> before the end of uh, Easter, before the end of April, we'll go far in the book of John. I was reminded in the morning that today is Mother's Day. I see Elijah, Mother's Day is again. Isn't it not recently we celebrated Mother's Day? And then you are shaking your head, eh? Women, women are different from mothers. What is the difference? So we celebrated Mother's Day. Now, no, uh, Women's Day the other time. Now we are celebrating the Mother's Day. If I, uh, Brother Beatrice told me that this is Anglican Mother's Day, that the Roman Catholic Mother's Day will still come after Lent. That would be called what is it? Mothering Sunday. What again do we have to celebrate? Another one, what is that? Another Mother's Day again. There are three, huh? How many did the fathers have? Uh, <laughs> well, to be, to be on the safer side, Happy Mother's Day, okay? I, I'm serious, okay? Uh, happy Mother's Day, okay? Even though my face is betraying my words, but <laughs> Mr. Batoki, help me. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, I'm very, very serious. Happy Mother's Day. Even, even if you take every day to celebrate motherhood, it will be enough. It will be enough. Our women, our mothers have done so much for us. God has used motherhood for, without women, I don't, I don't know. Without mothers, I don't know where this world will have been by now. All your sacrifices, all your tears, all your discipline, the food you cook, Everything that you've done for us, uh, God will bless you. God will bless you. Uh, even though it's your job, it's your God-ordained uh, ordained, uh, responsibility, but you, you did it from your heart. You don't have to do it. Actually, there are mothers that threw away their own children, isn't it? That abandoned their own children, but you choose not. Some of you raised us as single mom. Maybe dad died very, very early. The ratio between uh, if, if, uh, if, if, uh, if a woman dies in marriage, it is the man will marry quickly. Is that true? They say, marry now. Between two, three, four years, the man is, is uh, this thing. But if it's the man that died and left the woman behind, what usually happen? What usually happen? They say stay and take care of the 
the children. If she tried to remarry again, they, they will start black and say, what are, you, what are you still looking for again? Hmm? With these four or five children, you want to go and marry another man, and then most of you stayed back and raised us. Uh, thank you. Again, happy Mother's Day. And uh, actually, happy Mother's Day must have, should come with something. Uh, usually, it should come with uh, a flower or something. This one is, I don't have anything. See my hands. I don't have anything. My, <laughs> I just pray for you. The last time we were in this particular area, we learned that Jesus commanded us, commanded the disciples, and consequently us, that we should love one another. Remember. And one of the major reasons why we have to, ought to, love the brotherhood, particularly in the household of God, is what Christ is about to tell the apostles. It's like he's saying, love one another, because your one another is all that you have in this world. It's like you are in this community of believers called a church. That is your family, that is all that you have now. Because the world will be against you. So stay together. There is something about your unity. There is something about your love for one another that will be an antidote, will be a panacea for the hatred that they will receive from the world. You know, the way the world has treated the church and believers through the history is all is well known. All you need to do is to click a button and click Christian persecutions through the ages and there will be a catalog of how the world, emperors, kings, government treats Christians, believers, all through the ages. It is not new. Persecutions, hatred of the world to Christian is like, it's our second name. If you are a Christian, genuinely so, this world governed by Satan will be against you. And Jesus, with all the promises had given them from uh, chapter 15, verse 1, don't let your heart be troubled, and so on and so forth, he want to be, he want to be, to be clear to them that being a disciple is, is not a tea party. Uh, there's, there's a book called The Costs of uh, Discipleship, written by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I think I have a copy. No, if I say I have a copy now before Tuesday, it will be missing from my office. <laughs> anyway, I have a copy of uh, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You need Bonhoeffer. It's a German uh, theologian. If you need to borrow it, please talk to me, talk to Eliezer. We'll write your name, we'll give it to you. But don't just move the address of the book. Eh? Don't move it without my knowledge. So being a disciple of Jesus comes at a cost. And this is consistent with what Jesus had earlier told the disciples about this. He said, who among you will build a house or a tower? I will not sit down and count the cost. He wants them to count the cost of following him. I don't want to lie to them. 
And this is very important for us today in this church to understand. And I'm teaching this from the backdrop of dominion theology. There is uh, I mean, a lot of, uh, under the rubric of Pentecostal charismatic theology, a lot of spectrum that you may want to make sure you understand them. Sometimes they are quite uh, evasive. One is dominion theology. One is uh, faith, word of faith movement. Uh, one we call the prosperity uh, gospel, uh, and then and so on and so forth. The dominion theology, the arrowheads of dominion theology will be people like Crawford, uh, uh, Crawford. You know, you know him. You guys, Crawford Dollar. The other one that died, what is his name? The one that died in Bahamas. Miles, Miles, yes. Miles Muro is the main guy. The idea of dominion is like, what they are saying is that the, when Christ came to die on the cross, his death has reversed the curse of uh, Genesis chapter 3. So we are now in chapter 2 of Genesis, all those who are Christian. And it is our divine redemptive right to take over this world and rule and dominate. And the call is it seven spheres. There are about seven spheres. Eh? Seven, mountains. seven mountains. Thank you. You know, all of you are partly heretical, and I understand. Seven mountains. So the mountain of politics, for instance, uh, we, we as Christians, it is our divine redemptive right to dominate the arena of politics, arena of science, arena of uh, economy, and all that stuff. So those who are in the economy like Dangote or Tedola, we are, we, the, the job of the church is to prop people up who are who will be captains of industry. They'll call them apostles. They're apostles in that sphere. So the, the idea is that it is not only a pastor. It's not me standing here that is the pastor or the bishop. Or if uh, Brother Ayo is now the new or Tedola is in town, we can conveniently call him bishop, the bishop of money. So his job is to give us the money that he's making, and then we buy jet with it. And then in politics, and particularly so, the Redeemed Christian Church of God recently have opened a new department in their church called the Department of, uh, of Politics. Okay? So and uh, some of, I, I saw the letter, and uh, there is a pastor in charge of politics now. In, so this idea of this world, let's, let's take over. Let's, let there be a takeover. And there are some of you, the reason why you will vote for a Christian candidate next year election is partly because you believe that in this world, you need a Christian president for your needs to be met. And I can tell you that is not true. Is it true? We have a passenger for eight years and we have Jonathan for six years. They are churchgoers. And our lives were not even much better than, than anything. I, I believe that under General Abacha and General um, IBB, things, in terms, things were much better. I mean, if you are of my age, I understand Abacha in the area of... Uh, he's a military man. What do you expect him to do? But if check back... What uh, those guys who were not even Christian did were much, much better than what our own Christian brothers were doing what, when they were in government. So th 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 there's no place 
in this church for dominion theology. That let's take over. This world is not our home. We are strangers. And I'm not saying, I'm not speaking out of my own head. The Bible says we are aliens. We are strangers. Have you seen that before in the Bible? We are, we, we, we are sojourners. We, we have no lasting city here. Uh, the Bible uh, speaks to us uh, that the devil is a prince of this world and is a, is, a, is a god of this world. And when we use the word world, we use it carefully. We are not talking about this world, the physical world as it stands. We're talking about cosmos, the, 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 the world system, the, the secular system, the system that around this world is not a Judeo-Christian system. It is, to a large extent, demonic and very, very dark. And the Bible says that system, the entire system, will be against those who will be followers of Jesus Christ. Christians were martyred. Christians were used as street lights on the street of Rome for their faith. Even though they were law-abiding citizens, Christians <clears throat> under the Ottoman Empire, uh, the Islamic uh, jihadism uh, went after Christians. Wherever they see any insignia of Christianity, they went after it. The classical example is the takeover of Constantinople. The current day Turkey, Sophia Hagia, or Hagia, yes, uh, Hagi uh, Sophia, the, the the one of the most beautiful Christian church, uh, was turned to a mosque uh, when the Roman, uh, the Ottoman Empire took over, and I think it's a museum now, and they want to turn it back to mosque again and all that stuff. So it it is. Either in the Gulf of Arabia, to be a Christian in Saudi Arabia, to be a Christian in Oman, to be a Christian in Iran, to be a Christian in Iraq, is like saying, I'm about to die. And sadly, some part of this country, in as much as we are here, as if nothing is happening, to be a Christian in some part of this country is as good as being dead, true or false. Christians are being persecuted in this country like never before. Some have been persecuted from the front. Some Christians, even in government, have been persecuted for their faith. That if you are writing an application and then your name sounds Christian from a particular part of the country, chances are that you will not get what you want. And I can tell you, if your name is Muhammad, if your name is Tijani, if your name is Abdul in this country today, within the civil service system, you will be more favorable than if your name is Chris. Peter, John, I'm not preaching hatred. That is the reality. And this preaching is to help you not to feel bad about it. It is what it is. This world and his system, particularly democracy, will be against your Christian conviction. And Jesus gave about, about three reasons I want to pull out from this passage as to why the world will hate them, the disciples. The first thing he mentioned in verse 18 is, if the world hates you, know that he has hated me before he hates you. The first reason why this world will hate the disciples and 
by, by, by extension, Christian is that for the sake of Christ, the world will hate you because of Christ. It is, it is Christ that this world is after to start with. In our Sunday school this morning, the teacher told us that the, the, when Satan is after you, it's actually the, the main target is God. And the hatred of Christ by the world and Satan does not began when he was incarnated. Way back. Way back. Jesus is the beloved of God. Jesus is, 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 is the one that created, through whom the world was created. In fact, I, I can extrapolate to suggest that the, the fall in the Garden of Eden it was the hatred against God because look at verse 23. Whoever hates me hates my father also. The fall was a hatred against the goodness of God. It has been all the way back, whatever is of God, Satan and his system will fight against. And much more that Jesus is the seed of the woman, is the prophesied seed of the woman that will bruise the head of the serpent, the redemptive son of David. If you put all of this thing together from the time of the fall to the incarnation and to the end of the age, Satan always will fight Christ. All the children that were born that looked like the seed of the woman, Satan went after them. The entire battle of Israel for their survival was because of Christ. In fact, uh, Bodhi Bokam said that uh, the reason for all the Egyptian captivity and the deliverance is all about Judah, to preserve Judah. Uh, And so that the seed of the woman preserved, because the line of the seed of the woman traces back to the beginning. So the world will hate them, because now they are with a man that is an enemy combatant in the realm of the spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The first reason is Christ. It's Christ. The reason why the world will not like them, the Pharisee system will not like them, is because of Christ. Secondly, the second reason why the world will hate them is that of their calling. Look at verse 19. If you were of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, because I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And I cannot overemphasize the centrality of the doctrine of election from here again and again. Christians are not just people walking around and randomly collide with Christ and happens to be in church or made a personal and conscious decision uh, among various variables and come to Christ. No, the disciples were picked, not randomly, before the foundation of the world, God had chosen them. They are his precious chosen possession. They were not chosen because they were good. The distance between Christ and his disciples were as wide as the ocean. They were human. He was divine. 
They were sinful. He's sinless. Uh, they were of uh, Adam generation. He is of the Holy Spirit. But they, they came to him. They came to him because God has given them to him before the foundations of the world. Christians, the disciples, when he was calling Matthew, Luke, Bartholomew, when he was calling John, when he was calling Peter, when he was calling uh, Andrew and calling uh, Didymus. Uh, and all, uh, it's not because he was just walking and said, okay, I, I think this is tall. Oh, come, I think this is tall. No. Before, before they were formed, before this world came into existence, God has promised in the covenant of redemption to give to his son as a reward, as a reward for his obedience. Certain people that the Bible called the elect. So Christians are not afterthoughts. Christians are not random people. They were chosen. Chosen out of this world. And because of this, the world will hate you. And the classical example is the favor that God chose Abel, and he did not choose to, what is his brother's name? Cain. Second is the favor that Isaac showed to, Isaac and Rebekah chose to Jacob, and they did not show to Esau. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. The mere fact that the, you, the, these 12 people at this point, 11, were favorites of God, chosen before the foundation of the world, called to follow him, specialized in, in, in every way and everything possible was a point of hatred. They are the elect. This world is outside the elected principle and will of God. This world will hate them because of Christ. This world will hate them because of their calling, their choosing. And in the third place, this world will hate them because of their choice. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know who sent me continue. Because of their choice. Christians were called by grace into salvation, disciples. But much more than that was that they too, in time, after they have been justified behind their behind time, and they brought to faith through grace, by grace, and they put their trust in Christ, these people now make conscious choice of making Christ their Lord and personal Savior. I hope when we talk about the doctrine of election, you don't, you don't assume that what we are saying is that you are passive, that Christ chose you, brought to church, you did nothing. Yeah, at the foundation of your calling, you did nothing, but you were made willing to come through and accept Christ. The decision to come to Christ was your decision. 
You were made willing by the Holy Spirit. It is yours. Even though it was God that was working in your heart, it is your decision. I hope you are following what I'm saying. It is a tension there. It is God that is working in you, but having worked upon your heart and regenerate your heart, the new heart now cried out to Christ. It is your decision. The 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith said this, when God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he frees him from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. And and chief of the spiritual good that we do when we were saved and, conf- and, and regenerated is that we make Christ our Lord. We be servant of Christ is not the way we were servant of sin that Satan putting chain on our neck and putting us in bondage. Yeah, Christ has made us his own. We also have made Christ our own. Book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 3. I've been there for some time now. Songs of Solomon, chapter 6. You see, my beloved, I, 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 I am, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. We belong to Christ. He has made us his own. We too have made him us. He belongs to us. We've made a conscious, deliberate choice to make him our Lord. We are serving him. Not from the point of bondage. We are freely, willingly servant of Christ. I hope you understand that. We are freely, willing servant of Christ. We enjoy serving him. And because of this choice, the world will hate us. We are not just servants. We are speaking on his behalf. Or we are pointing to the world, to their face, saying, this man is Lord. This is the Lord. This is this is the master. We are confessing it. Our confession to the effect of his master hood over our life is an offense to this, to this world. The world will hate them because of Christ. The world will hate them because of their calling. The world will hate them because of the choice they have made. Now, they, are, they, are, they have submitted themselves to this man and they are saying every other king, every other authority is of no consequence. The reason why believers were murdered in Rome, all they need to say is curio Caesar. That's all. You take some grain and you throw it to Caesar's statue and say Caesar his Lord. In fact, the, the phrase, Jesus is Lord, came through the persecution period. This guy is saying, Jesus is Lord. And the word is saying, Caesar is Lord. Which one? And this, even when you can even go backward to Babylon, when they told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just to do a little bow down to and say, Nebuchadnezzar is, they said, no. We have one Lord. We have one master. Even though we are physically in Rome, our allegiance, our ultimate allegiance is not to you, emperor. Our allegiance is to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. Jesus is Lord. And when you made that statement, when you made 
that conscious choice to make Jesus your Lord is much more than the phrase you put on the back of 911. It's much more than that. Jesus is Lord. When you say that, in fact, the Bible says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You are saying my life, my entire being is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because of that, the world will hate you. It is that reason you will not cheat. It is that reason you will not compromise. So these guys are going into the world. They will not compromise. They will go against the law of the land necessarily. If it goes against their conscience and the world will hate them. In the fourth place, I told you three, but I, I have more than that. In the fourth place, this world will hate them out of ignorance of God. The Bible said, whoever hates me, hates my father also. If they have not, if they have done, um, look at the works that Christ was doing among them and the, and the words he's speaking in among them. It is because they don't know God. They thought they knew God. The Jews will say we are students of Abraham. We have the Torah in our custody. And Christ kept saying, if you know God, you will have known me. The work I do, the words I spoke, testify to that reality. The fact that you are not getting it suggests that you don't know God. Ignorance. So even when Christians appear to the conscience of those who will be killing them, they won't listen. When you say, don't lie. For the sake of God, don't kill me. They will not listen. They will not listen. Which Allah? In fact, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Let me just buttress this point. This word, do not know God. And that's why they will hate Christ and they will hate you. Verse 12. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Um, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So who, whoever is not a Christian is separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Those who are not Christians are alienated. They are cut off from the church. And strangers to the covenants of promise. Those who are not Christians are strangers to the covenant of promise. They have no idea what you are talking about. Having no hope and without God in this world. The entire world system is godless. They may purport to know God. The Allah, Allah, Allah that the Muslims speak of is not the God that you worship. The Olodumari, the whoever, whatever gods that our tribal uh, people worship are not the God of the Bible. And the simple reason is, is this. if the God you are affirming is the true God, you will have no difficulty in knowing Jesus. And if you know God and know Jesus, you will love the church. That is the chain. If a man claims to love God but hate the church or Jesus, he's lying. And finally today, the world will hate them, Jesus said, for nothing. Out of nothing. 
verse 25. But that the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled, they hated me without a cause. Even if all put all these points together, Christ, calling, choice, the fact that the world is ignorant, how, how would this constitute into a body of hatred? Sorry, this room is warm. If your neighbor is sleeping, help them sit up properly. Uh, I'm not saying I've seen anyone sleeping, but I just want to make sure you are listening. I'm, I'm about running up. For nothing. For nothing. And the scripture that Jesus was quoting here was Psalm, Psalm 30, Psalm 35, verse 19, and Psalm 69, verse 4. They hated me without a cause. And look at how it works. David was doing great good works to people. And it came to a point in the days of his own persecutions, those whom he has helped, where it's fine. He said, those who are hating me now are more than the numbers of hair on my head. For nothing. For nothing. That's why a Christian must be armed with this understanding that the world will hate you. There will be no reason. There will be no reason for the injustices, for the hatred. I mean, look at how God has helped us. God is causing his reign to fall both on the wicked and the righteous. Yet, people hate him. Look at Jesus. What did he do? He fed 5,000. He raised their sick, their dead people. He healed their sick people. There was no wickedness in Jesus at all. His words were kosher, clean, legit. There was no falsehood in him. But on the day of his crucifixion, crucifixion, everybody, sorry for that word, on the day when he was being crucified on the cross, everybody was saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Herod, Herod asked him, you know, uh, Pilate asked him, he said, why? They put their hands in their ear. They said, kill him. He said, okay, give me reasons. They talk some nonsense. It doesn't add up. They bring some. It doesn't add up. Pilate said, "To I better bring water. Make I wash my hand." He said, "This man is innocent." They say, "Kill him." He said, "I have no. I have no fault in this man." They say, "Yes." He said, "I am free from the blood of this." He said, "Let the blood be upon us and our children." Kill him. What has he done? Nothing. Kill him. They hated me without the cause. So the disciples were being armed with this understanding that as they go into the world, they'll be doing good, good things and the world will be hating, 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 hating them. The word hatred is a strong word, strong, active word. Meaning, their whole mind and, and being is set against them. The way Paul or Saul was going after them in the book of Acts. Let me just give you some point of application that will help us. We are not the 12th. This discussion happened in the context of the upper room. Christ was about to die. There were, I don't, this, is the, this is the last discussion they will have before he will be arrested. 
And then he's telling them all of these things in the evening before he was arrested. But we're not there today. Uh, does it apply to us? Yes, it do. It does, it does apply to us in many ways because we, we are Christ. The book of second, the first point of application I want you to go home today is that expect hatred. Expect it. You don't have to go look for it. It will come. It will come. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 said this. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Expect it. You don't have to go look for it. It will find you. Hatred is normal for Christians. Expect it. Your family members will turn against you. Your sometimes spouses, maybe the husband is here and the wife is there. Like this. They will turn against you in many ways. Hatred can be expressed in many ways. Expect it. Number two, I want you to hate flatteries. Look at what Christ is telling the disciples. He was so clear that they would suffer. And this is actually against our human nature. You know, we don't want to be told the truth, do we? At the back of positive confession is this thing. How many of you, if you go to ask doctors, uh, I have some doctor friends, they will tell you, in the days of HIV AIDS, when the HIV AIDS was, uh, was the, the king of this land, 50% of those who went for tests never came back for their results. True of us. Some of us did HIV tests and could not sleep again until the result came out. If you were here in the, I'm talking in the 90s to the early mid 2000s, HIV AIDS was, was the king. People want to do wedding. I want to do their HIV AIDS test. They disappear. They will not come back. Somebody is having malaria. And, and he's looking, he's losing weight. Yeah, you are losing weight. That was alone. Your heart cuts. What are they thinking now? What are they thinking now? What are they thinking now? And then the doc, you met your doctor. You say, have you done HIV test? You say, I, I get it. I have, I have it. I have it. I have it. If at one point, pastors were even teaching that the, the evil spirit were putting HIV on, the, on people's body. We don't want to hear the results of our own test. We don't want to hear we have cancer. If there is a test and the doctor wants to talk to you, thank God for our Nigerian doctors. They don't tell you what is happening to you. They just write... Particularly yeah. public public doctors. Yeah. They won't tell you. And if you ask them what he's doing, they'll say, go, go to the pharmacist. But other 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 contexts. Okay, there's some private hospitals that are, are better in Nigeria. But if you go outside this country and you meet your doctor, he will tell you everything. They will tell you that you have four months to, <laughs> to die. They will tell you, I was preaching in, a, in an hospice somewhere, and I met the guy say, oh, uh, uh, pastor, you, you, every Sunday we go to preach in the hospice, and he said, actually, I'm dying by 6 p.m. today. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean this, this, 
white people are crazy. They have been told that this sickness, once your sickness is terminal, they move you from the normal hospital, what they call hospice. You have hospice in this country. I mean, just, just die. That hospice, they're going to prepare you to die happy. You, and you will die 6 p.m. That's 6 p.m. You will die. Of course, there are some incidences that people didn't die, they didn't die, but generally you will die. We like, we, we love lies. We want to hear, all shall be well with you. I can see God lifting you. This year, all around, from the north to the south. You know, there's one footballer playing recently. He said, we call the four corners of this country to work for Tinibu. Tinibu West is the pastor now. He said, oh, the four corners of this country, we command you, you shall win. Are you hearing me? That's what you want to hear. You want to hear, go, you shall succeed. Go, you shall prosper. That's what we want to hear. Look at Jesus. Say, disciples, uh, you will suffer <laughs> if they persecute me. Is that what you tell your people? You are leaving them. They are going to kill you in three days' time. In fact, Peter was saying, the first time Jesus mentioned this idea, he said, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered to the hand of the Jews and shall be killed. What did Peter do? He said, shh. He took him aside. He took him aside and rebuked him. He's a Nigerian. He said, okay, come. This is negative confession. It shall not be your portion. And Christ said, get behind me, Satan. Hate flatteries. The reason why you spend your money to come here today is to be told the truth. And the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Find for yourself a church, a fellowship that will not lie to you. That can look at your face and say, perish with your money. A pastor that can look at your face and you say, Pastor, by the grace of God, uh, I want to give two billion to the church. And the pastor says, hey, please. Instead of saying, oh God, calm down. Where did you walk? How much is your salary? This two billion, how come about? I can guarantee you that man will not come back to that church again. He told them you will suffer. For the rest of your life, this principle should learn from Jesus. Tell the truth. Tell it as it is. Like truth. That's why when the disciples were being hunted around, killed, did they complain? Eh? Before Christ just left, not quite long, James was uh, beheaded. Not quite long, Peter was arrested and thrown into a uh, uh, prison. They were singing. They have been told. Assuming he didn't tell them anything, he said, okay, you know, you are linked to me. Under this cover, under this divine cover, I am the son of God. You are part of me. Look at chapter 15. He said, as a vine, he said, if you are connected to me. So they have connection to the roots. And that's why most of our theology and interpretation is flawed. To assume that if I'm connected to Christ and I'm drinking from him, Christ can never be sick. How will I be sick? And then you are sick. You say, no, I'm not sick. And then we bury you. 
and then they'll say, okay, uh, behind your back, miracle will happen. You're already in the grave. So when they saw it, 11 of them, apart from John the Beloved, all of them were killed brutally. Peter was hung like this. He said, no, turn it upside down. I don't want to die like my master. They turned him upside down. Some were thrown into hot oil, cooking oil. They were thrown inside. Some were crushed through by sword. They, they took it. They took it. It's good for you. It's good for you. Truth is good for you. We live in the world of lies and flatteries. Even if you are not fine, they say you are fine. And then you are smiling. Number three. Don't live your life as men's pleasers. People will hate you for nothing. The reason why many of us are struggling. Many of you think if you build 10-story building for your people in the village, then they will love you. Is that that the issue? Just try it. Don't think that if a Christian church build a mosque for the Muslim community, then they will like us. Is that that, that the issue? If you like, turn this, tell them, say, okay, we can do service in the morning. You can come and pray here in the in the afternoon. In the days of persecution, they will cut your head one hand. I am an example. My best door neighbor in Kano was a Muslim. And I gave him gifts. I gave him gifts. I gave him gifts. If I travel, I'm coming back. I'll buy for Nefisa. I'll buy for Jamila. I'll buy for everybody. Then it was right in 2004. Our houses were marked for destruction. And we didn't know. And he didn't tell us that Christians have been marked for destruction. I went to work and I was called at my house. There were house people there. They, they, those who want to kill people. The jihadists. My people ran to his house. His wife took them in. He pushed them out. Luckily, they escaped. After the whole thing, my house was burnt down. After the whole thing, I went back to that community. And I saw him sit down. I greeted him. He didn't answer me. What have I done? Nothing. Sometimes you are surprised that this world hates you. Why? Why are you surprised? It's normal. Buy them vehicles. The, the former Emir of Kano, Sanusi, Lamido Sanusi, went to a free Catholic school. Almost all the Northern House of Flani leaders that are educated today went to free school that were run by the church. I hope you are hearing me. But today, you can have a Christian live in the city of Kano, that the old city of uh, Kano, where the Emir is living. It's not possible. You can't even air a Christian preaching on AIT in Kano, on anywhere. It's banned. It's banned. So don't, 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 don't live your life for this world. In fact, the Bible said if you love this world, you hate the Father. And if the world loves you, it means something is wrong. We should be surprised as a church that this world now like us. Hmm? But he went to the president. Adebo is laying hands on him. And uh, that one white government church woman is laying hands on Atiku. Sure. Seriously. Seriously. 
Any day you see the lion and goat eating together, run. Run. We live in the last days. The lion are eating grass and goats are eating human beings. Run. Run. Anytime there's a fellowship between light and darkness, something is wrong. The Bible says, what is the communion between light and darkness? What is the concord between the house of God and the house of Belial? Say, come out from among them and be separate. You are not of this world, even though we live here. And let me talk to you. Some of you think you are a Christian. And you are not, actually. How do we know you are, you are not a Christian? It's worldliness. You love this world, and this world loves you. Some of you say, I love God, but Jesus... I don't understand him, so I love God. It's not true. If you love God, you love Jesus. I know my friend came here recently, and he's a pastor in one church. He said, you know, you know, our pastor, the general of I don't know Bible. He will know prayer. I said, what is that for? He said, no, he doesn't know how to preach. He doesn't even know, he can't even open Bible well, but he get prayer, and he get prophecy. If they heal people, if they prophesy, they pray, but you don't know Bible. There are some people who think that they can love God, but they don't love Jesus. They don't love the church. They don't love the Bible. It's not true. If you, if you are here today, you say, I know God, I know Allah, Allah, I know God, 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 but Jesus, eh. let's be clear. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. If you know Jesus, it is those who know Jesus that know God. And those who know God, know Jesus, love the church because they are part of his body. Friends, I lay this truth before you today that if you live your Christian life properly and well, this world will be against you. You will not get promoted at work. They will retire you on time. They will cheat you because of your faith. Your parents will kick you out of the house. Some of you will be disinherited. That's the cost of being a discipleship. Well, being a disciple. Some of you, your wife will pack and leave you. They say, you can't follow you to that church anymore. Some of you will lose your inheritance. And at one point in our history in this country, if they lost Tari, persecution will come to Abuja here. We will not be able to gather here on Sunday. There will be a dagger at the door. Say, are you going to be, say, say Allah Akbar. And then you start scratching your heart. You look at Andrew. Andrew, look at Samson. What do we do? Should we just say Allah Akbar and go? Or let them cut off our head? They will grab your wife and they will cut your head in front of your wife and set her free to go and tell the story. It will happen. As a testimony that you belong to Christ. As a testimony that you are choosing out of this world. But that will not be the end of the story. When the king of glory shall appear, we shall rejoice at last. Amen.